Hello team, it's Fab here from Alt Marketing School. And before today's episode, oh boy, don't I have an invitation for you. Yes, I am officially inviting you, dear listener, to our first ever open day. On January 24th, we are going to host a two-day event introducing you to the wonders of positive impact marketing and what it means to market with purpose. Yes, we're going to have taster classes. Yes, we're going to have roundtables. And yes, we're even going to have AMAs for you to learn more about the school, our certification and positive marketing overall. So if you're ready to join us, you will be able to access two taster classes, two panels, two AMAs, all starting on the 24th of Jan. What's in store for you, you may be asking? Well, first of all, we're going to start off with a roundtable about the evolution of leadership and marketing. And for these roundtables, we're going to have our teachers, our faculty, and also our alumni joining us. Then we're going to have an AMA where you can ask any questions about our certification. Finally, jumping into a taster class about positive impact marketing principles. On day two, we're going to look at how purpose and impact will drive marketing decisions in 2023 and beyond. And also, we are going to have a taster class about setting better marketing systems. On top of that, there's going to be tables so you can even lounge and meet new friends and join the tables and connect and network with fellow marketing rebels. So if you're ready to join us for this free two-day event, all you have to do is go to altmarketingschool.com slash open day. I'm really excited to see you there because I know you will be there cheering us. We're going to be cheering you. We're going to get all excited together as we are ready to make marketing better in 2023. And together, we are going to learn how to market to hearts, not to brains. Come and join us, altmarketingschool.com slash open day. I'll see you there. Hello, squirrel friends, and welcome back to Alt Marketing School. It is a new year. It is new opportunities. It is new things happening. Steph, why am I shouting? Because <laughs> everyone needs to hear about it. That's why. Because <laughs> that's that's the Bible 2023 shouting. I'm joking. <laughs> that will become <laughs> all caps, all, ca- all caps for all 2023. That will become annoying so quickly. <laughs> so I don't happen. think that will be a new trend in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> new trends of 2023, all caps, all the time. To be honest, after, after the last couple of years, I feel if not for the all caps energy, it will be more for like, I think, some people's frustration. Um, but I'm generally wanting to bring a good energy this year, starting starting with actually having had some rest. Um, I'm projecting on the fact that I can have some actual rest during the holidays because we're recording slightly ahead of the holidays to get this to you right after the holidays. And also today I wanted to talk about some of the cool things that are happening that are going to shape 2023 hopefully potentially most likely so you know I think one of the big things has been 2022 that has been kind of coming back to a new normal that felt a bit more normal than last year's new normal in a lot of ways and I think because of that there actually has been more space and time for things to change and and like some things and some trends and some new ideas to actually settle whereas I felt the last three years was like everything changed all the time like there was like, oh, I'm going to try this and pivot that. And now I feel I'm coming back a bit to a standstill. But that doesn't mean there's not going to be a lot of things to look out for. So that's kind of my vibe. I think my word for 2023 is, ooh, I got it. 
consolidation. I like that. That's my word. Ooh, nice one. What about yourself? If I ask you to have a word for the year, what would you put as a word for the year of 2023? Um, I want to say refreshing. I'm like the skeptical <laughs> <laughs> skeptical refreshing no i mean Ste- yeah <laughs> skeptically refreshing oh i like that i mean i mean i know why i think it's because obviously you are kind of exploring new chartered territories with your brand and what you're going to do i guess that's that is there any any other reasons why you choosing skeptically refreshing <laughs> um i feel I think going on what you said with the last few years, obviously pandemic and all everything changing. And I feel this year it's still everything changing, but kind of finding a new normal. I think next year is probably going to be another new normal following on from that and maybe a bit settled, I guess. But again, who knows? Or maybe we're just more used to everything changing every five minutes. That's so. actually a great point. Yeah. I think that's why I like consolidation because we have been changing a lot. Like one of my brands, uh, I closed one brand and merged with the other. And then this year we started a school and I tried everything under the sun. And I can safely say in the last two and a half months of 2022, that's the one, I'm going to get so confused with the years for the first like half of it. <laughs> anyway, for the end of 2022, things started to work out. I and. It pains me to say it, but I don't think they would have started working out unless I tried so many things that did not work out. So I was like, okay, actually, this worked out in some ways, but then in others, it didn't help with the bigger strategy. Or this just generally nobody was interested in it. Or this didn't get any traction. And there were some things, but that's the thing. There's going to be highlights of things that worked. But sadly, in order to get things that work, you will have also a lot of things that didn't. And... um. So for me, consolidation stems from the idea of this year, taking all the things we have. I I was talking to Steph about this. I have about two, one or two newish things that, again, that we didn't consolidate, but they're coming from what didn't work this year. I was like, okay, this actually has some positives, but there was a lot of it that didn't help us. So how can we take this strategy and maybe refresh it again, go back to your refreshing. But most of it is consolidating, which means not creating a lot of new stuff, really working on what we have because I'm more confident that that's what we need for the school and making it better. And the annoyance, as I said, is that it wouldn't come unless you try a lot of things. And also you do a lot of things, maybe not to the standard you would want to. So whoever needs to hear us, the listener, <laughs> um, you do it much better than you think. And also um, you will go through, I think, cycles of refreshing, experimenting and consolidating. I think these are actually big big cycles that we go through again and again especially in marketing but I think in general when it comes to kind of building businesses or products and services um and I actually was looking at for the research for this episode I was looking at a couple of things including big trends for 2023 and what was incredibly fascinating for me to hear was about uh the LinkedIn report or the LinkedIn overview from 2023 and there were three things that were interesting one was about the evolution of work that goes back to the flexible and remote but also what I loved about it was again aside from lots of lots of different industry nuggets as well but some of my favorite ones were really about understanding how also the online world is evolving so for example more niche platforms coming out so social media becoming more in smaller and more 
defined as communities like Be Real, which I know Steph just learned about. <laughs> and even something called We Are Eight, which I didn't know existed, which gives people eight minutes of scrolling time a day, which I found really interesting. So that was one thing. And then the other one was about sites like Discord or Mastodon, which came after Twitter's uh, Half the Mice. Something called Geneva that I didn't know of. I don't know if you know it. And uh, Substack as well. Kind of these communities are most strengthening after a bit of a lull with, you know, people going back to the real world. But actually people almost kind of going off the traditional social media to embrace a more community feeling. And this was one big thing that came up in the LinkedIn report. And I really found it fascinating. I don't know if you had a look at it, Steph, obviously because we shared kind of some of the notes before the show. Uh, but I found these really jumped out at me. Did you actually have a look at it? Um, a little read through or again if not I'm putting you on the spot but it's fine <laughs> <laughs> yes I did look at my homework uh, <laughs> the teacher in me comes out all the time you're welcome <laughs> yeah no I had a glance through the notes and yeah and picking things out of I think it goes I think it all it's weird that it's new things but they all stem obviously from the past few years experience I think and what's happened and I think like you say with so communities and changing, but also evolving to, I think we didn't have them. And once that went away, like in real life, you realize how much you need them. So I, th I, th I feel like there's been a lot of evolution also within that and how people interact in that whole thing with like going back to work uh, remotely or hybrids and actually finding what matters in life with how you balance your life versus before we kind of just had to do it so it's I feel it's really interesting to see how from last year things are evolving now and how we can see where it stems from and how people are kind of realizing what changes they actually want to make over time I like the fact as well, what you said, it kind of reminds me that, for example, things like Be Real and this We Are Eight, which again, never heard of, but interesting, is really about showing how like the, the decentralization of social as obviously can be tied in with platforms like Web3, which we haven't explored as much yet, but I'm definitely keen to explore more also for you, dear listener, to give you a bit more of a lowdown in 2023. But in general, also the idea of, again, I think reassessing the, the and there we go the role I was going to say the role of social media I was thinking about to phrase it within our strategy for 2023 in general regardless of what type of marketer you are what type of professional you are and funnily enough as I said that also helped me consolidate and rethink about how we are going to teach social media when it comes to the certification because obviously it's a big part of it but I'm thinking whether it's less about kind of how we show up but more about how the social media fit within our strategy going forward and how can we reflect on what's working and what's not because I think that's a lot more timeless and it almost kind of helps us adapting to the trends instead of feeling like oh yeah now we need to look at I don't know only long-form content or short-form content I think that is what left us a bit astray and actually another thing that I shared because we talked about it in one of our uh, trends so we do obviously obviously we do a selection of events at the end of the year so the end of 2022 but we talk about different trends and we collaborate with different platforms for this if you are a member if you are a marketing rebel if you are one of our all access pass students then you can actually access the replay for all of these events forever and i know a lot of our students have been going through and we talked about in our planable event where we talked about social media trends for 2023, the concept of zero click content, 
and it was super interesting because I read it probably since September last year. It, came, it kept coming up as an idea. And I love it because it showcases a new way or a different way to thinking about social. And it's all about creating content that is self, uh, self-sustaining almost. So the content gives you the old value. It doesn't necessarily prompt you to have a very strong call to action, if none at all. And it's all about actually sharing some knowledge and value without asking for anything in return. And I found it very, very interesting and fascinating. Uh, so obviously, if you are a marketing rebel, you can check it out in our documents is one of the replays. If you're not, I want to say, come and join us uh, for 2023. Just go to allmarketingschool.com slash courses to find out more. But yeah, I definitely, it definitely jumped out at me. I, have you heard of that before? Or did I just introduce you to the concept of zero click content stuff? Um. No, I didn't hear about that before. Um, I don't have my pulse as much uh, on social, on like sort of the marketing side and sort of content as you do. But I do find it interesting because I wonder sort of where does it lie in kind of reclaiming sort of that social media space to actually be a space for sharing and not just promoting or kind of going against that whole how many likes do I get, how many comments, how many, you know, it's kind of that mentality where, trying to break away from what is the angle of why are you posting that? Are you posting to add value to someone or are you just posting to sort of get value back because some you know, you want those sort of algorithm-driven clicks and, and data? Um, so I find that quite interesting of where it could go. I think because a lot of people have talked about it and explored it is now something that we're going to see a lot more. And again, to me, as I said, it just is part of what I just mentioned about the way that social media is changing as a role within our marketing and within the way that we show up online because it's a big way of us showing up online. And I think it just also calls for a more honest conversation with our audience being like, we know that you know that usually there's going to be a call to action asking you to do something or read the full thing or check this out. We know that you know, and then you kind of almost expect it and you're like, oh yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get anything out of this. This is just a bait. And we actually want to kind of flip the script a bit more. I think Miruna explained it incredibly well in the class, uh, how she came across it and what she thought about it as well. Another point that I wanted to make today, which I'm going to bring up, is something that I'm sure we just started talking about in December 2022, and I'm 100% sure it's going to be a big conversation for 2023. Steph, can you guess? Uh, Is it to do with AI? No, Steph, it's potatoes. Potatoes! potatoes! (laughs) Is that potatoes? Is that potato sponsorships? No, I'm joking. Yes, you You had the call from McCain, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm joking. You were right. It oh. is AI. Sadly, sadly. <laughs> AI-driven have... potatoes. <gasps> so much we could do. <laughs> I mean, but you couldn't eat them unless I'm, unless I'm missing something in what AI can actually do. I don't think you could eat the potatoes. So that kind of defers the point to me. Um, but yeah, you are right, though. We are thinking about AI, especially because at the end of well, mid-December, and so the end of 2022... OpenAI launched its own chat widget and that went absolutely bananas because it kind of is interesting because it opened the different conversations about AI. The chat is called ChatGTP. And what is interesting is that everybody then started talking about AI tools. But I want to say, just in case they're listening, you're not fully on the pulse on this. 
AI tools are not anything new. I actually use tools like Jasper AI for um, not super long time, but I've used it for a while because actually it's great to kind of complement some of the copywriting we do and especially when I'm the person that does most of it. So it's kind of nice sometimes to be able to have that support when my brain juices are not working. So actually AI has been part of some great marketing tools for a while. But I think because of the the chat GPT launch actually brought up some questions and reflections about actually the the impact of AI and then everybody literally started doing the AI avatars. Literally, if you were on social media for a month, I don't know if you've seen any stuff, but it's been crazy. Oh God, I've seen too many. Yeah, everybody. But you made an excellent point actually to me before we went in here, which was you share with me some of the objections. I have a couple as well, a couple of points of view that I think are really interesting on this, but I would love you to start some objections about the use of AI in some of the ways that has been showed recently, especially with artists. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, first of all, going back to what you said with it's not new, um, the use of the technology has been used for years, but you might have not been aware, obviously, if you're not doing it. And I think at the minute, I feel like it's kind of the doors open to the public now, where it's within our space of social media and within our space of what everyone can use rather than just specifics. And some of the objections I've seen is obviously this big avatar movement of AI driven imagery for the sort of average person. That's quite fun to do. You go on an app, you get like loads of different images. The main objection I've seen from the world I've come from, which is arts and artists who have made artwork, is that a lot of these tools, what from what I've read is the, the one that was behind the main app that people used actually comes from data breaching and from stealing people's work. So they steal images from people's work. Sometimes it even shows up, there's still a signature on the end image. Um, and they breach data and it's infringement where they steal someone's work without their consent in order to use that as their database to then generate those images in the style that you see. And I clocked it quite straight away because I've noticed the styles are very similar to artists that I follow um, and I admire. And the main controversy especially has uh, happened on a site called ArtStation, which is a main big community of artists and it's to put your portfolio, but it's also to interact and all sorts. And they started posting AI images that people put up, which weren't made by artists, but there was no specific, you know, um, they weren't sort of catering it for AI. And people noticed actually, that's not an artist who did it. And so people started saying, you need to take them off, you need to make rules about what's going on. The main websites say, well, we don't want to, you know, stop anyone from posting. And that kind of exploded a little bit, because it People found it disrespectful to have AI-driven images made in seconds compared to work of people that, you know, you take a lifetime career to get to that level. Um, even to the point where there was uh, an AI image that won a prize, like first prize in an art competition. And that was, again, something that was massively kind of showing that disparity between it's great tool, but at what use, I think. Um, and when it comes from also breaching copyrights from people's work, I think that's where the line has to, I think it's an amazing tool, but I think with like any tools, how you use it. And if the, if the use behind it goes from 
obviously breaching copyrights and stealing I don't think that's the best way to use it and it's to see where that kind of lies also in how then that gets used in the industry and whether or not people are going to have to change the way obviously they work because I've seen on the other hand people saying well it's a tool that you can use together with what you do and what you know and it helps you but at the same time I can easily see a company rather than paying an artist quite a nice wage to do oh we'll just use AI driven images that we can make ourselves and that obviously that makes artists lives a lot harder so I think there's still a massive conversation of the pros and cons around it but I think with anything it's to to find maybe that balance of maybe putting a bit more restrictions where they need to be um, and seeing how then that can benefit a lot of people, but also what costs to others. I love that. And actually you made an excellent point, especially when it comes to the different implications, depending on different AI tools we use. From my perspective, coming from a marketing background and thinking more about the, the written word, like AI for like writing, I think that one of the main concerns that a lot of creators and even marketers had, especially copywriters, let's be honest, is, well, is this going to steal my job? A bit like what you said. Is this actually going to take over me and what we do? And I was reading different points of view and different different people talking about, obviously, everybody was talking about it for a month, which is understandable. That's what happens. And a couple of creators that I love, including Alex Lull, who will come up on the podcast uh, this month. So check him out. It's great. And he was talking about it as well in his newsletter and other people were talking about it too. And it's like, if you use AI as a companion, which again is relevant if you're thinking about writing, for example, if I'm thinking about creating like art is very different in my opinion. But when you're thinking about writing, if it becomes that companion that can support you, as I said, for me, is very much a case of whether I need creative juices or I need to create something specific, it helps me giving me something to start with sometimes or just kind of fill the gaps. That could be something interesting to explore, but it's when we think it's going to completely replace the human experience. And that's what, again, we also saw on Twitter and other posts and LinkedIn showcasing like this is fully done with AI. I didn't touch it. I didn't look at it. And to me, maybe because as a writer and as everything of a very unique personality unique way of writing stories as well that human connection and human element that before again I was trying to convince people like take our certification because we're going to teach you how to do marketing humanly how to make a human people were like "Eh, yeah but I do already I think we forget actually that just because you're a human doing marketing it doesn't mean that you're making marketing human in order to do that, there might be the stories. There's going to be obviously the things that we teach in the certification, but there are so many different things that make marketing more human. And it all starts, in my opinion, with the stories and the human connection and the personal touches that we do within our strategy and our work. And that you can't replicate with AI. And because it's obviously your unique experiences, your unique stories, the background, the anecdotes, but also just the personal touches with your customers. Obviously, this is me maybe having wishful thinking and positive outlook, but also I'm a realist. So I understand that in some ways, even AI tools that are supporting marketers will substitute or could substitute some elements. It depends on how we use them. You said it, I'm going to repeat it. It depends on how we use it. Like anything, depending on how we use the tool, that it will make a difference in the way that we actually implement it going forward. So I'm excited about... 
us trying to flip the conversation to make sure that we actually take control over it instead of being like, oh, this is coming and it's going to destroy us. It's like, as you said, what can we set up in place so that some of the things that have been happening don't happen again? That yeah. is a big responsibility that I think we have. Indeed. I I had actually a question come up in my mind where it was, obviously it's it's brand new, but over time, a bit like any tool, I'm thinking of the newcomers. So people just starting out or people learning. And I feel um, my question is more about if it's a tool that makes it so easy to start, like to produce something, um, are we going to cut the process of learning the basics? So I'm thinking in terms of imagery, you can type anything you want and it'll produce an image and then you might go, okay, well, I can start from that and then I can make it a bit better. But if obviously that comes from people knowing how to do it from the start, so a bit like with writing, if you don't understand the concepts behind writing and how to produce writing that makes sense and something generates you a whole thing, then I feel like you're just as much as a loss of making something generic because you don't then know how to process it. So I wonder with obviously younger people, how that tool will then evolve because are people going to be just more reliant on it and not do the effort required to actually make it unique and better? Or are are we going to see a lot more of a disparity between the really big bulk of generic content that anyone could produce because it's there and easy on a click. And then there's going to be another level of the people that actually have put in the work to get better and understand how to use it and then how to then input that human and those emotions and those stories beyond that. I love your point. Obviously, I ain't got the answer yet, but there's one thing that I think we can do to minimize that because it will probably happen like if if the tools catch on and if this the technology catches on which would be unlikely not to it would probably happen i think and okay i'm gonna sound like a broken record but i think the power of education regardless of whether you want to be educated with us hello or anybody else the power of education especially for younger audiences which is a big part of the audience that we want to support with the certification on our courses is crucial because Obviously, people make their own informed decision. But I always say, if you at least give people an understanding of how to use a tool, how to make the most of it, and also learn, as you say, the basics, the fundamentals, learning actually how to create something for yourself, then at least you give them the option, excuse me, to then go and practice that craft. But is when we kind of think, you know, people will make their own informed decisions without necessarily having that support or guidance. I mean, I wish... But honestly, history, I think, proves us that when we do support others and we kind of show them a way and we try and educate them, we give them at least a chance to take that advice. And if we don't, if we kind of assume, then it's a bit rich, in my opinion, Like because I, if I made something or if I made a, usually like a sound decision, especially when it comes to marketing, it's because I learned how to do it from somebody. It's because I saw an example of other people doing it in a great way and that inspired me. So... I cannot assume that somebody younger that comes into the industry, if they don't have great examples of how things can be done a good way, I cannot assume that all of them will righteously say, no, I'm going to learn first and then I'm going to use the shortcuts. You know, everybody likes a shortcut. It's about how we present it and how we also provide ideas to make things better. That's me. That's my little like pep talk of the day. 
And I guess it just comes from the reason why I do what I do. And the reason why we do what we do is just to provide people with the education, the support and the guidance to do things better, because at least that gives them a shot at doing it. Does it make sense? Or did I go on off a massive rant? <laughs> rant, of, <laughs> rant of January over. No, it makes sense. I think it's like any tool, like even headline analyzer or SEO tools or anything that goes within the realm of someone's obviously made it easier for people to access something that would have taken years to know to be able to produce like websites now you can do it literally in 10 minutes you got a website because you don't need to learn the coding someone created the tools to make that and I feel like AI is just another progression I feel it's going to be more about educating like you say within a scope of understanding a tool and how you can use it to do what you want not what it wants so I feel like you don't end up restricted by the tools um, and understand that you can go beyond them eventually yeah you're right and actually funnily enough as I said one of our conversations with our kind of new year or end of year marketing trends and this one was with Thrive Teams uh, when we were talking together one of the points that was raised was actually the power of automations and how automations are going to be a big part of marketing going forward. And first of all, I absolutely love the point Matt makes. I think it's great, especially because at Thrive, they do have some tools themselves. But I think it's a reminder, as you said, that automations have a place in marketing and it's all about, I think marketing operation is a very undertapped area of marketing something that we're actually going to invest more time in for the certification as i said consolidating yeah so we're learning that actually that doesn't have to be basics as long as it's fundamental but with some really great kind of structure within it and i think yeah like automations are a big part of marketing and it's just about how we use them and how we go about them and look at the potential of it in a positive way as well i think this was a good start of the roundups in my humble opinion, I think we gave a couple of ideas of what you can implement and some of the things are coming up, but there's going to be lots more. And obviously, if you want to let us know, you just go to Alt Marketing School on Instagram, Alt Mark School on Twitter, everywhere else, and just let us know what do you think is coming up for 2023? What are some of the things that you're excited about, worried about, uh, looking forward to or not? And hopefully also looking forward to joining us in one way or another. If you are a marketing rebel, if you're looking to market with hearts and two hearts, then come and join us. This is just my friendly reminder invitation. Whether you want to join us in one of our labs uh, that you can access through our all access course library or self-paced, you can join us there. There are courses with community, which means you get our support, our guidance, and we get weekly tips and tactics from us but also you can get through the content at your own pace or the certification. You can also apply for that and join us for our eight-week journey that takes you to become a positive impact strategist. Either way, we would love for you to join us in 2023. I promise we'll keep the potato references to the minimum, or at least we will try. <laughs> That's kind of where we are standing. Can't promise. <laughs> but we will do our best. But thank you so much for joining us for this new ride in 2023 you might have heard or got a glimpse of some new things are coming more things are coming next week and the weeks after that so keep an eye out keep checking in let us know what you think as things change a couple of implementations i'm not going to mention them yet but we're going to walk through them in the next couple of months 
And thank you so much for being part of this journey again. Together we can make marketing better. I truly believe that. Thank you, Steph, as well, for being here. Well, thank you, Fab. And class dismissed. Thank you so much for listening. Head to oldmarketingschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spread the love on Instagram at Old Marketing School. Until next time.